We read the Holy Scriptures together in the book of Habakkuk, chapter 1, into chapter 2. We begin reading at Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 1. The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear? Even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. Why dost thou show me iniquity, and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me. And there are that raise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slacked, and judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous, therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. Behold ye among the heathen, and regard, and wonder marvelously. For I will work a work in your days, which ye will not believe, though it be told you. For lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. Their horses also are swifter than the leopards and are more fierce than the evening wolves. And their horsemen shall spread themselves, and their horsemen shall come from far. They shall fly as the eagle that hasteth to eat. They shall come all for violence. Their faces shall sup up as the east wind, and they shall gather the captivity as the sand. And they shall scoff at the kings, and the princes shall be a scorn unto them. They shall deride every stronghold, for they shall heap dust and take it. Then shall his mind change, and he shall pass over and offend, imputing this his power unto his God. Art thou not from everlasting, O Lord my God, mine Holy One? We shall not die, O Lord, thou hast ordained them for judgment, and, O mighty God, thou hast established them for correction. Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity, Wherefore lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously, and holdest thy tongue when the wicked devoureth the man that is more righteous than he? And makest men as the fishes of the sea, as the creeping things that have no ruler over them. They take up all of them with the angle, they catch them in their net, and gather them in their drag. Therefore they rejoice and are glad. Therefore they sacrifice unto their net, and burn incense unto their drag, because by them their portion is fat, and their meat plenteous. Shall they therefore empty their net, and not spare continually to slay the nations? I will stand upon my watch, and set me upon the tower, and will watch to see what he will say unto me, and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And the Lord answered me, And said, Write the vision, and make it plain upon tables, that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak. 
and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. And that's the text that we consider this afternoon, verse 4 of chapter 2. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his face, his faith. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, the words we find in our text the just shall live by faith, are really nothing less than a summary of the whole Christian gospel and of the Christian life, as we hope to see in the sermon. And that is evident, too, from the fact that the apostle quotes our text three times in three different places in the New Testament, as I will show in the sermon. Who was Habakkuk? Habakkuk was another one of the prophets of the Lord. He lived and labored in the land of Judah in the evil days after the death of the last good king of Judah, King Josiah. In those days after the fall of Nineveh and the Assyrian Empire that we considered last Sunday. Josiah had brought a great reformation in Judah of religion. But these are the days after Josiah And once again, there is much evil in the land. Habakkuk tells us in chapter 1 that he cried out to the Lord as he looked around him and saw all of the evil in the land of Judah. Habakkuk saw violence. He saw robbery. He saw lawlessness. He saw injustice. He saw oppression. And he didn't see that anything was being done about it. So he cried out to the Lord. And it seemed to him that God did not answer his cries. So he cried out again, and he cried out again, and again. And we read in verse 2 that he says, O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear? It was as if there was no answer from heaven to the cries of Habakkuk regarding all of the evil in the land. But then God answered him. And we find that answer of God in verses 5 through 7. God said to Habakkuk, Behold ye among the heathen, and regard, and wonder marvelously. For I will work a work in your days which ye would not believe, though it be told you. And this is what I will do, God says. Lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs, They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. It seems that Habakkuk was stunned by that answer, and that was not what he had wanted and not what he had expected. Habakkuk probably had lived in the days of Josiah. He had seen that a good king could bring reformation, restoring law and order and justice and religion. And no doubt, that was what Habakkuk would have wanted. But the Lord's answer was, I'm going to raise up the Chaldeans. The Chaldeans were the Babylonians. The Assyrians have fallen, and now God says, I'm going to raise up the Chaldeans, 
and they're going to invade the land, march right through the midst of the land, and bring destruction everywhere they go. That's my answer to all of the evil in the land of Judah. Habakkuk's anguished reply was, How canst thou, O Lord, who art of purer eyes than to behold evil, use such a wicked people as the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, that nation that goes around the world conquering everyone and crediting their victories to their idol gods? How can you use such a wicked nation to punish your people who are more righteous than they? Then Habakkuk says in chapter 2, verse 1, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say to me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And the Lord did answer him. We didn't read that, but that's the rest of chapter 2 when God points out to Habakkuk, I am not blind to everything going on. I'm going to punish Judah for their sins and then I will punish the Chaldeans for theirs. Woe unto them. Woe unto them. Woe unto them, he says again and again, that is, to the Chaldeans. He will use them to chasten and punish his people, and then he will punish the punishers. But in the midst of all of this, we find this beautiful shining gem, the text that we consider this afternoon. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Right there we have the gospel, and that gospel is sweet to us in no matter what age of history we live. But how sweet is it when we live in times like Habakkuk? Let's consider the text under the theme, the just shall live by faith. We're going to notice First of all, the faith of the believer. Then secondly, the righteousness of the just. And finally, this promise that he shall live. The just shall live by faith, Habakkuk says. Habakkuk himself and the remnant of true believers who still lived in Judah in that day would escape from death at the hand of the Chaldeans by faith. They would escape and live not by their works, but by faith. And we can be sure that their faith was under assault in those days. They lived in dark, tumultuous days. There was evil prevailing all around, and it seemed that God was far, far away, that he didn't answer them, that he didn't hear them, he didn't see them. Their faith was under assault. And their faith might have suffered a blow, now that they have heard the news, the rumor, that the Chaldeans are rising to power in the east. They had enjoyed a period of peace when Nineveh fell, but now they hear that Babylon is rising. And so the Lord gives this gospel message through Habakkuk, the just shall live by faith. And when he says that, he means to exhort them to believe, to trust in the Lord your God in these tumultuous, difficult times. Believe, trust in God to be with you, to save you through thick and thin. The faith of which Habakkuk speaks is the firm conviction of things not seen. 
the firm confidence of things hoped for. The Hebrew word for faith in the text comes from a root word that means to be firm. That word for faith is sometimes translated faithfulness. It can refer to firmness, steadfastness, faithfulness, and it sometimes refers to the faithfulness of God. But we know in the text that Habakkuk does not mean to speak of faithfulness, but to speak of faith. And we know that from the ways that the apostle quotes the text in the New Testament. There we have the Holy Spirit's authoritative interpretation of our text. The first of those three texts is Hebrews 10, verses 38 through 11, verse 1. There the apostle says, Now the just shall live by faith, quoting our text. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The apostle is showing us that Habakkuk is speaking of faith. Now what is faith? The faith that we are to have in the midst of the darkest times, the most tumultuous times, the most confusing times of our lives. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. That is, it is the firm conviction about things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen, the confidence, firm, certain confidence of things that we cannot see. So we see these two aspects of faith. On the one hand, faith is a firm conviction of the heart. Faith means that I hold that something is true even though I have not seen it. And more particularly, that I hold for truth that there is a God. And the God who exists is the God who reveals himself in Scripture. The only one true living God, the almighty and everlasting God, is Jehovah of hosts. The God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God who created the very heavens and the earth in which we live. The God who has spoken to us. He is not silent. He has spoken to us through the prophets. That first of all. But faith is not merely that conviction that this God, the God of Scripture, is real, is true, is living. He really exists. He really created the world and rules the world because the devils also believe that and they tremble. The devil knows that. But faith is also a firm confidence, an unwavering, unshakable confidence by which we trust in that God. The God who has spoken to us in the scriptures through the prophets and said to us that he is coming, he is coming, he is sending his Messiah into the world to save us from our sin, to deliver us from the judgment and punishment of death that we deserve, to be utterly annihilated by the Chaldeans, to be run roughshod and our land destroyed, to be punished in hell. Faith is the unwavering trust that we place 
in this one true God so that he is our strength and he is our salvation. He is our help and he is our refuge. He who will send Christ to save us and deliver us. That's a faith that we are to have even in the darkest moments of our lives, in the most tumultuous seasons of church history, when there's trouble and apostasy and judgment running rampant throughout the church and throughout the world, when all seems lost and hopeless and confusing, we place our firm confidence, not in man, not in ourselves, but in God and in his Son, the Messiah, whom he promised to send into the world. It's a firm confidence that placing trust in this God as our strength and Savior through Christ is also an assurance that he is truly my God and my Savior through Christ and not just the God and Savior of others. When we cling to him with that faith, then it gives us joy, a joy that replaces sorrow, a joy that replaces fear, a joy that carries us through the storms and the tumult. Remember, Habakkuk was living in a tumultuous time. This text has rich meaning for the people of God living in those days. I will raise up the Chaldeans. They're going to invade and march through the land and destroy everything. But the just shall live by faith. And so it's very beautiful how Habakkuk concludes his book in chapter 3, verses 17 through 19, where he speaks of the difficulties of his time, although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat, the flocks shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Everything will be lost. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hinds' feet, and he will make me to walk upon thine high places. That's faith, the faith of which Habakkuk speaks. But behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him. And there we see the contrast in the text between the people of God in that day who had faith and those in that day who were lifted up within themselves. Behold his soul, Habakkuk says. Behold the soul of the men and the women in our day which is uplifted in them. That is, the soul that is puffed up in pride, the soul that is swelled with arrogance and boasting. Habakkuk is not merely speaking about the souls of those who have committed the sin of pride, because we all have. But he is speaking about those who are given over to the sin of pride, who live in pride and arrogance and haughtiness with no repentance. They are proud and arrogant to the core. Behold the soul of those who are lifted up with the ugly and foolish belief that they are great in themselves because of their power, their strength, their achievements, their, their wealth, their fame, their position, so that they don't think they have any need of God. 
They don't think of God as their help, their strength, their salvation. They don't need God. They don't need God's Messiah. They don't need God's salvation. Behold the man whose soul is so lifted up that he doesn't realize he's a man, just a man, made out of the dust of the ground. And he will return to the dust of the ground in death because he's also a sinner. He's not holy and righteous in himself. He's a sinner. Behold the man who does not admit that, who does not confess how desperately he needs the forgiving, justifying, healing mercy of God through Jesus Christ, but who thinks he is a God unto himself, who lives as if he is the God of his life, as if no God exists to tell him how to live, how to think, how to talk. No God exists whom he needs Behold the man who puts faith in himself, who believes in himself, who trusts in himself, and who seeks right here everything that he needs to live long and prosper and conquer. Habakkuk is no doubt speaking about the souls of many in the land of Judah in those days. As Habakkuk looked around him throughout the tribe, throughout the cities, in those days of the last wicked kings of Judah, He saw evil everywhere. He saw oppression, abuse, injustice. There was no law. There was no order. There was no judgment. All was confusion and chaos. The souls of many were lifted up in pride. If you would have asked them, they would have said, Oh, yes, I believe in Jehovah. I believe in the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But they had no real faith in their hearts. They didn't really believe in him. They didn't really trust in him. They didn't really commit their way to him. They looked here. They looked in at their own strength, and they looked at the idols, and they put their trust in the powers of the creature. No doubt Habakkuk also had in mind the Chaldeans off in the east went rampaging around through the nations just like the Assyrians had done. Now the Babylonians are conquering nation after nation by the power of the steel sword and the horse and chariot and rider. And after they conquered a land, they would puff themselves up with pride and boast that they had done it by their strength and they would give the glory to the gods of Babylon. Souls of many today, too, are puffed up in pride, the souls of some in the church and the souls of many outside the church are puffed up with the prideful notion that they don't need God. They are a God unto themselves. They only trust what they can see with their eyes. They don't trust in the unseen God who created the heavens and the earth, who lives and reigns forever. They're too proud to believe something they cannot see or prove with their weak, fallen, sinful human intellect. As if, if I cannot prove that God exists, then he must not exist. That's all pride. And that's what we are too by nature. Lifted up in pride. But the just shall live by faith. And so Habakkuk Really, the Lord, through Habakkuk, is exhorting us in the text to have faith. 
put your faith in God as your strength and your salvation, your help, your shield, your refuge. Put your faith in God, the living and powerful God. Commit your way to him. Know yourself to be a mere man and a sinner who is in desperate need of the mercy of God. And cling to him in life and in death to save you from the wrath to come. The just shall live by his faith. Habakkuk says, his faith. This faith is your faith. It's not your faith in the sense that you produced it. It's your faith in the sense that God gave it to you. And it's yours. And now he calls you to exercise it. Exercise that gift that he has given to you. Put your faith in him. And then we have nothing about which we can boast. The just shall live by faith. What is the righteousness of the just? When Habakkuk says that the just shall live by faith, we have to understand that the truly just man is, first of all, the one who knows that he is not just in himself. That's the truly just man. The man or the woman who knows that in myself, I have no righteousness. I'm not like Adam was before the fall. Adam had righteousness. He was created righteous, but he fell. And I am one of the fallen, sinful humans of the race of Adam. I am not righteous. I am not just. I don't have any righteousness of my own. That's the truly just man. There are always many people who think that they are just in themselves. In Habakkuk's day, in the days of Jesus, Jesus who says, I came not to call the righteous but sinners to repentance, there were many people who thought they were righteous. Maybe they wouldn't say it if you asked them, but in their hearts they believed that they were good people that they were striving to do what society and the church tells them is good and right, and therefore, because they try, because they strive, and they think they do a fairly decent job, therefore, they're good people, they're just, they're righteous people. But the truly just man is the one who knows and confesses, no, I'm not. I'm not just. I have no righteousness of my own. I'm no different, really. I'm not unlike the most wretched, violent, arrogant, wicked dregs of society. I'm not unlike all of these evil people in the land of Judah. I'm not unlike the wicked, proud, arrogant Chaldeans. I, too, am a sinner. And I deserve to be crushed under the feet of the Chaldeans. I deserve to have my home burned to the ground. I deserve to lose everything, all of my crops, all of my possessions, my life. I deserve eternal damnation. But that humble sinner puts his faith in God. 
He clings to the mercy and the grace of God by faith. The God who in Habakkuk's day promised to send the Messiah. The God who in our day has already sent the Messiah, Jesus Christ. The just is the sinner who clings to the God of salvation as his only righteousness. And he is just by faith in the righteous God. Habakkuk already knew the prophecies that went before him. For example, in Isaiah 53, verse 11, where Isaiah prophesied that when the Christ comes, he will be despised and rejected of men. You know the chapter. He will be wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. And then in verse 11, he says about Christ, My righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Habakkuk knew the prophecy of Jeremiah, who lived in the same days as Habakkuk. For example, Jeremiah 23, verses 5 and 6. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch. In his days Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name, whereby he shall be called the Lord, our righteousness. Habakkuk's prophecy falls in the same line as those prophecies. The just shall live by faith. He means to say, the just man is the man who is first justified by faith. And then he lives by faith. The Apostle Paul picks up this beautiful sparkling gem of our text. And he quotes it, as we saw in Hebrews 10, He quotes it again in Romans 1. That's the second of the three. Romans 1, introducing this marvelous book of Romans, setting down the main themes that he's going to develop in that book. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein... In the gospel of Christ is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Paul teaches us there that Habakkuk was speaking of the righteousness of God, not the righteousness of that man, not the righteousness of the believer. The just shall live by faith means the just shall be justified by faith. They are just because they are justified by faith. They are just because they received by faith the righteousness of God. The gospel of Christ has power because the gospel of Christ reveals that righteousness of God. The gospel of Christ reveals that God has sent his son, the Messiah, into the world. And he is our righteousness through his life, through his obedience, through his death. The just shall live by faith in Christ as their righteousness. And then, one more time, he quotes the text in Galatians chapter 3, where he writes, But that no man is justified by the works of the law in the sight of God, it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. 
and the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. There, Paul uses the very same text, which elsewhere is used to speak of faith, and elsewhere is used to speak of righteousness. Here, he uses it to speak of the fact that we are justified by faith and not works. The law is not of faith. We're not justified by the works of the law. No man can be justified by the works of the law. How do you know that, Paul? For it is written, the just shall live by faith. The whole history of Israel in the Old Testament was one great big demonstration of the fact that not a single one of us human beings can be justified by the works of the law. Throughout the whole of the Old Testament, the children of Israel had the law. Christ hadn't come yet. They had the law. And they failed. And they failed. And they failed to keep that law. The law was a schoolmaster to bring them to Christ, that they might be justified by faith. Put your faith in Christ. Christ is the only man in the whole history of the world who was perfectly righteous. Because he is none other than God himself in the person of the Son, come down into our human flesh. He's not able to sin. He's absolutely righteous. And he lived righteously. And Paul says that he redeemed us from the curse of the law. He took upon himself the curse that he didn't deserve, that we deserved. And he hung on the cross to redeem us from it. So put your faith in him for your righteousness. Only by faith in him can your filthy, stinking, rotten rags be removed. And can you be clothed in the white robe of righteousness. When we are justified by faith in Christ and we receive that perfect, pure righteousness. There's no need anymore to be afraid of anything. You see, this was the gospel to God's people in those days when evil prevailed, when everything was in tumult, when the Chaldeans are about to invade. The just shall live by faith. If we are justified by faith, and there's nothing to fear. If God be for us, who can be against us? Who can lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Let the Babylonians come. Let them knock on my door. Let them burn my house down. Let them steal all of my things and trample my fields. I'm right with God. And if they take my life, I know where I'm going. I'm going to be with him. There's comfort in life and in death. And we live in a world that's not very much different. The church world is full of evil, full of injustice, full of heresy. Everywhere you turn, the world outside of the church is filled with wars and all kinds of problems. 
we see the rise of Babylon again in the kingdom of the beast. But there's nothing to fear. The just shall live by faith. And we come now finally to that word live. The just shall live by faith. There's a promise in the text. You see that? It's a promise. The just shall live by faith. It's a promise of life. And the life that God promises to us in the text is, first of all, the new and godly life of the Christian who is justified by faith in Christ. It's that new and godly life. The just, the righteous men and women in the days of Habakkuk were righteous in Christ, but then they lived out of that righteousness. They lived a life of sanctification. They lived a life of godliness. They manifested their faith by their works. And they were seen and known in society as being God-fearing people. As we read in Psalm 1, they did not walk in the way of the ungodly. They did not stand with wicked men. They shunned the scorner's seat, and they delighted in the law of the Lord. They loved God. They strove to keep his precepts, to worship him, to bring their offerings to him. And how much more so then for us? Because we know who the Messiah is. We know Jesus. How much more for us that we ought to live by faith in Christ. Live a new and godly life. Live a life that harmonizes with the gospel and with our confession in the midst of the world. But in the second place, the promise is to give us life everlasting. The contrast is the proud and arrogant men whose souls are lifted up. Habakkuk says about them, they are not upright. Their soul is not upright in him, which means he's not righteous. He's not right with God. He's not in a right standing and in a right relationship with God. And therefore, he's going to perish under the heavy hand of God. He's not going to live, but he's going to die. And when it comes to the Jewish people about whom he's speaking, they're going to die under the horse hooves of the Chaldeans that are soon going to trample them through the land. They're going to die at the sword and the famine and the pestilence that will be brought through the Babylonian siege, or they will die as captives in their sins in Babylon. Dreadful. Jeremiah made a similar prophecy to Zedekiah, the last king of Judah, who was wicked. In Jeremiah 21, verses 8 and 9, he said, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. He that abideth in this city shall die by the sword and by the famine and by the pestilence. But he that goeth out and falleth to the Chaldeans that besiege you, he shall live, and his life shall be unto him for a prey. But also the proud Chaldeans would die. Because God, who would punish his people through the Chaldeans, would then punish the punishers. He would punish the Chaldeans, too, for their violence and their arrogance. And as I said, the rest of chapter 2 is a series of woes against the Chaldeans. 
warning them. That's a warning to the kingdom of the beast. That's a warning to the wicked world. You too will die if you do not repent and put your faith in God's Messiah. But those who are justified by faith in Christ shall live. How much comfort is there in the words of our Lord when his friend Lazarus died and he came to speak with Mary and Martha in their tears, in their sorrow. And he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whosoever believes and lives in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said, yes, Lord, I believe. Those who believe in Christ shall never die. In the days of Habakkuk, they would live. They would live through the invasion, through the captivity. And even if they died, they would live in glory. And so also with us. The ultimate promise of the text is that those who are justified by faith in Christ will live with God in communion with God after this life in glory up above and will live with God in sweet communion forever, world without end, into the age of the ages. Habakkuk's prophetic eye stretches all the way forward to the coming kingdom in chapter 2, verse 14, where he says, The earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. He's looking forward to that glorious day when all God's people will live with him in a kingdom where everyone knows him, everyone loves him, everyone confesses him, everyone worships him, even as the waters cover the sea. So knowing all of that, we're able to confess with Habakkuk in the concluding verses. Although I see many troubles around me, the fig tree is not blossoming. The fields are not flourishing. There's trouble, there's sorrow, there's confusion. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Amen. Our gracious and merciful Heavenly Father, we thank thee for thy word through Habakkuk, a comforting word that fills us with joy. We thank thee, Father, for the gift of faith and pray that thou would stir it up and strengthen it and grant that no matter what comes, no matter what darkness, no matter what danger, we might place our firm trust in thee as the God who is our strength and our salvation.